Oh, like it's been a, it's been a big like a big shift. Like I was looking back, I was like, five records, and then actually five records. Like it's almost to the point where like I don't have to prove myself. I mean, I still do. Yeah. You know, like yeah. fifth album, only because of the way the music biz is right now, it's like the first album again. Really? Why? Why do you say that? Because it, like it's like a changing of the guard. In seven years, a whole new generation of kids has come up. So, you know what I mean? Like, I have to go back and prove that I'm still relevant to those kids. But, at the same token, like, it's a different generation of buyers. Kids today are like, what, what, you, you, I deserve to have this music. You know, it's not like a privilege. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, my age, maybe a little younger, was like, it was a privilege to have a record. You know, like, yeah. you waited for the release day, oh, yeah. and you couldn't wait, and you wanted that CD, Absolutely. and you opened it up, and you read the liner notes, yeah. and like, you experienced an album. Yeah. It wasn't like, let me go and get Laffy Taffy off iTunes, you know, for 99 yeah. cents. Right. But that's right. the mentality of kids now. It's like gone from experiencing yeah. the record to... It's the gotta have it now attitude. It is. And it's not going to change. If anything, that will be the norm. They you know call I mean? it the generation for um, immediate gratification. It is. That's True. what they call it's it. It's not even just that. Like, like, I remember, like, sitting there watching stupid MTV all day just to watch the one rap video they were going to play late at night. And now it's like five seconds I go on YouTube and watch the video. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like really. Like yeah. literally. At least you save time that way. You save time and I love it. I'm an iPod guy. Yeah. I'm a technology yeah. dude to the, to the T. But it's it's a different mentality. Like trying to convince the kids to buy CDs. You know, it's like... That's why when I say I'm on my fifth album, it feels like first album. It really does. Like because, because of that, I know I have to go back out and hit the road just like I used to. I gotta grind it out. I gotta shake hands and kiss babies. <laughs> I have to do all that. <laughs> yeah, really, I yeah. really do. Everything in the industry is like falling apart, you know. And I finally felt that this record around, like when I went to try to do things for the last seven years that I could usually do before, and they're like, "We can't do that for you because the budgets are slashed." Yeah, it's like not even my label's not even doing bad. Yeah, but because we're under the whole umbrella, umbrella. We have to feel the brunt of every other label that's doing bad. Right. It finally started hitting me. I was like, dang. You know, you get a little like, comfortable and you realize, man, I sound like I'm like a new artist again. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, if you would have told me I'm on my fifth album, I would be like, hey, it's my ninth GMA. Really? It's my ninth GMA. Like, I really was very blown away. <laughs> I think it's the lack of the artist not providing the product, you know? But then also, maybe it's, you know, partially the industry right. accepting it and not there's pushing it. Well, there still needs to be somebody that's a champion. You know, someone at the higher-ups, some of the gatekeepers need to go, let's give this a shot. But I unfortunately feel like some of them said, let's give it a shot five years ago, and the ones that they used to give it a shot dropped the ball. And it just reinforces that stereotype, like, pressure out themselves, they're hard to work with, they have bad attitudes, they're not thankful, you know. So, I don't know. Like, I, it puts me in a position now, like, I'm like, well, I'm getting to the production game, why, why don't I have a label, why don't I have a, why haven't I found an artist, you know what I mean, like, why haven't I put somebody out? And I honestly can't think of anybody I would. Like, if you were to hand me a label right now, and go, here you go, KJ, here's your label, I would go, uh, I think we're going to have to put a compilation out first, because I don't have anybody. Yeah. There's nobody I can think of that I'm, like, excited about. 
kind of jaded. Uh, well, because I was doing it myself, mm. I had to. Um, it was I had to figure it out. Like I didn't really have a process. You know what I mean? So the difference was now instead of you know you make a beat for somebody and take from there, it's easier. Now I'm like going, oh, I just killed myself to make this track. Now I gotta like <laughs> pick myself up and go make the actual right lyrics to it too. So a lot of it was um, stockpiling tracks. Like I kept stockpiling tracks. Just, just, I would just make beats constantly, constantly making beats, just not stopping. So then I would go back and go, oh, I really like this beat. You know, like if it makes me write immediately, I usually know it's gonna be a good song. Um, but sometimes I would do a track, actually a lot of times I would do a track, and then I would sit on it, and I would obsess over it, and then I would go, I think I can make a beat out Like yeah. some songs literally <laughs> went through four different versions of it. Really? Yeah, easily four. Really? Some were five or six versions. Really? Because I just kept going, okay, how do I make this better? Maybe if I tweak the snare. Maybe if I put this here. Maybe let me see what bass player adds to it. Let me see what liquid adds to it. I mean, all these yeah. different things to, to finally get it to where I felt like, I can't make this any better. So, but the main process would be like, do a basic track and reason on my laptop. Then I would listen back and go, okay, do I like the bass line? If I don't like the bass line, I go to my bass line. So, okay, what can you add to this? Then I listen to what he would do and go, okay, that's pretty cool. I think I like my original bass line better. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Or whatever. Or go to Liquid and go, hey, what can you add here? And then sometimes he would do something. I was like, hey, dude, I was messing with it again. You think you go back and add a chord here? You know, like he would... He would be like, look, I know. Like, by the third time I called him, he's like, I know. Just get it. Send me the track. Aww. So, you know what I mean? Like, he's like, I know. You changed it again, didn't you? <laughs> so, same with him. Same with working with, like, Pete Stewart. Yeah. Like, he would be able to finish off the um, the, the guitar ideas. Mm, okay. um, stuff like that. Uh, they were all based on real stories, real, real letters. Um, but... I didn't want to take one letter and just exploit it. So I was like, well, let me take kind of a cross-section of a lot of the letters. Like, it's really like, if you were to go read my letters, that would be a cross-section. Um, but I wanted it to show all different types of kids. You know, like the good church girl to the non-kid church kid to the semi-church kid, you know, and everything in between. Um, and I actually then, to kind of finish it off, actually had actual fans or the voices on there. And four of the kids at the end are in my, uh, I have a hip-hop production class I teach at my church. Really? So yeah, it was like That's a culmination cool. of putting them on it to talk and to add those parts. So, um, it was my way of like addressing those things without having to come out and go, cutting's wrong, cutting's right. bad, yeah. don't do cutting, it'll make you sad, you know, like, <laughs> something like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, it was, it was a way of going like, here's an example, and then the kids tell me, like, yeah, that's me. Right. So that was it. Yeah. wasn't It wasn't hard because it was everything I wanted to say. Right. It was hard because I thought, this is like ammunition for everybody that doesn't like me. You know? Because it like, it, see, I told you you was that way, you know what I mean? The, ori the original idea of the song was, it was going to be called No Regrets. Because it was talking about all the things I regretted. Right. But saying, well, I don't regret it anymore because God, you know, but the hook just didn't work, and so that's when I flipped it to, can I be honest, because honestly, a lot of it, whether it's you take it away or not, but a lot of it has to do with the Christian music industry, it was my way of saying, 
not even just that, but the church, we are so geared towards making everything look perfect. You know? We're so geared towards this, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Praise God. How about you? Yeah, I'm just blessed, man. And going home and your life is a mess. You know? And I think, too, like, I think the fans could, the fans were able to go, man, that's everything I wanted to say, but I can't say it. You know? So it's like, you know, and I've always been kind of transparent, but I figured, you know what, it's time to go, like, because the yearbook was about seeing the last year of my life, that's what, what you know, finally getting to the point where I can go, yeah. yeah, I feel like I can open this up, and people will still, like, respect you, yeah. you know what I mean? So, that was, that was what it was. Well, originally that was going to be the name of the record. Can I be honest? It was, well, it was going to be called Honest, uh-huh. and I played the song for my pastor, and he said, you know, you, he kind of gave me some... I originally had a different title for the record. And I played him that song and he said, Did you really should call the record honest? Because that's what you're being. Mm-hmm. He, he talked about being a pastor and opening up that little part of you that nobody wants to see and empowering that. Yeah. But then the yearbook just kind of <laughs> For me, like Kevin, um, we toured together on, on the Cutlass tour. So like we got, he's just a cool, he's like a country yeah. boy, man. He's like yeah. a country boy from Knoxville. Yeah. And uh, we just, I just always appreciated him. He's a sweet guy. He was fun. We went running one time on tour, and I just like ditched him in the background. We always had that special moment. <laughs> so the original idea was that Aaron was going to produce the rock stuff on the record, and I was just going to produce the hip hop stuff. Aaron had some uh, family problems. His wife had some health problems in pregnancy. So it was looking like he wasn't going to do anything on the album. And so I was getting desperate. Crap. And I actually, it was kind of funny, I, because I figured nobody would think I'd be able to produce a rock song. I produced the rock, the track. I actually did the track. And I told him Aaron did it. (laughs) I lied to everybody. Oh my God. Because I wanted an honest opinion. Right. That's cool. So I said, what do you think? I got this track right here, guys. What do you think about this? And then I was like, this is amazing. This is the best song on your record. I was like, you liars. I did it. You wouldn't <laughs> believe me if I did it. I just proved it. Now you're stuck. You can't say anything. And so then when I was done with the song, I was like, I could really, I could just really hear it. I just heard Kevin on it. Yeah. I hear the musical difference between, you know, me producing a rock song and Aaron producing a rock song. What Aaron did was... He had the music for me, and he gave it to Toby, and they were like, Toby's a big fan of yours, and I'm like, for real? Like, yeah, he's a big fan, you guys should do a song together, da 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 do a song with Toby from Emory. I'm like, Emo and hip-hop? I can maybe see Kevin, like, that made a little sense, but Emo and hip-hop? And he, we never talked on the phone, ever. It was all through Instant Messenger. We just chatted, like, <laughs> Toby was really like... Funny. Hey man, uh, I got a couple song ideas. And he would like go, he went to lunch and ate lunch and came back and like demoed some in GarageBand. I said, number two sounds great. You know, and then he went and cut it and we were done. Like that was it. Like it was that simple. It's funny because rock guys are the easiest ones to work with. I'm serious. Like the guys that deserve to be divas and deserve to have big heads and to be a pain are the easiest people to work with. Whereas the rappers who have no right to think that they're anybody are the single-handed hardest people to work with. 
it really makes no sense. Yeah. But I'm telling you, Kevin was this. Just came in all nonchalant, can't experience this little thing. Boom, he's done. And and honestly, but the thing with Emery, I was like, I don't know if this is gonna work. You know, like, even when I got the song done, I was like, this is like so far extreme. He's screaming. You know, like he's screaming on a rap record. Like I was like, this. Is, I I really had some doubts. Like I was like, we've got to take one of these songs off. I said, I don't care if you take my song off with Kevin. Just take one of these rock song, rock songs off because it's too much rock on the record. They're like, <laughs> they're like, no. They're like, it's cool. Oh people, kids gosh. are gonna like it. They're gonna really like it. I'm like, kids are gonna hate me. <laughs> I really was like that. Really? I was like, they're gonna hate this song. Uh -huh. They're gonna hate me, and they're gonna hate the song. And it's like the best single I've had out the gate. <laughs> That's all. Awesome. It's literally the best rock single I've had. Best single I've had. That's it might awesome. be a number one rock single. <laughs> That's awesome. It makes no sense. I was like, <laughs> yeah. and even the hip hop heads were like, yeah, man, I'm feeling the Emory stuff, man. Yeah, man, you got that? Get a CD with you? I'm like, oh my god. Nothing makes sense anymore. So. <laughs>